to welcome everyone tonight, especially our guests. If you're a guest with us tonight, we are so glad to have you. Thank you for being with us. It is our prayer that you are touched by the presence of the Lord here tonight. If you're joining us online, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight. Pray that you are blessed by it wherever you may be. Amen. And uh, even though they are not present, we do give honor tonight to our bishop and to Mother Wright. Praise God. Amen. If you are not standing and you're able to, if you would, please. I, uh, as many times is the case, and it's the nature of the way we are structured. I want to say again tonight, those of you that were in other ministries this morning and are not a part of Arnold, I greatly, strongly encourage you to listen or watch the message from this morning. I believe it was a word from God to us. And I know many of you minister part of ministries in other locations, but we are one body. And I want you to be benefited and blessed by what the Lord said. So I am encouraging you to take some time this week and to hear what the Lord said to us. It is a blessing again this weekend to have Brother Ryan near with us, been with us several times now. And I appreciate him very much. I appreciate his sensitivity and discernment to the Spirit. And uh, I believe that God has connected him to us. This is the third or fourth time, third, I think, third or fourth time. Every time he has come, he's come with a clear word from God for us individually and corporately. And I believe that's going to be the case again tonight. Praise God. Anybody hungry to hear from the Lord? Not a sermon, but what God would say to us. We did this this morning. We don't always do this, but I just feel to do it again tonight. As Brother Near is about to come, would you just lift your hands to the Lord? And would you ask God to speak to you tonight? Would you tell God that your heart, your spirit is open, that you want to hear what He would have to say to you tonight? Talk to me, Jesus. Scripture says in Revelation, to him that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Somebody pray right now, God, give me ears to hear what you would say tonight. Not my physical healing, God, but my hearing, but my spiritual healing. Let my spirit man hear what you would have to say tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Father, we lift you up. God, let this spirit of ministry continue in our, in our service tonight, Father, unto you. 
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Well, can we clap our hands for Jesus, everybody? For he's the reason why we're here. For if it had not been for Jesus, if he had not reached down to where I was, if it had not been for Jesus, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according, according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. So thankful to be here. There is, if you've not already felt it, there is a spirit of ministry that came into this house just a little while ago. Some would call it an angel. Some would call it just a spirit of ministry that began to work in and amongst the people of God. And and I feel tonight, I'm just going to share something with you that God, He gave to me personally and just it's a part of who I am now. But I felt to share it with you tonight. And so if you would, would you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Genesis? Chapter 37. Gospel means good news. It's all good news. Amen. But the Gospel of Genesis, and while you're turning there to chapter 37, I want to just thank everybody here that is in ministry i want to honor like pastor has already said i want to honor bishop chester wright and also mother wright amen i honor them i was telling somebody they said where are you going this weekend i said maryland they said oh yeah where at maryland i said well annapolis and they said oh Is that Bishop Chester Wright? Are you going to preach for Brother Bishop Chester Wright? They said, what's that like? I said, I don't know. He's never been there when I was there. (laughs) Amen. Bishop is a gift to the body of Christ. Thank you for lending him to us. Amen. It's an honor to be here and be after a legacy that has been laid, a foundation that's been laid. I I honor Pastor, Pastor Wright. He's not only a preacher. I heard there's been some things on him lately. He's just been preaching up a storm. Anybody say amen to that? But he's also a preacher's friend. In a world that would like to crucify and alienate preachers, your pastor has become a preacher's friend. And that is a gift to me. Amen? Because I had a man of God one time tell me. He said, the higher you climb that mountain of getting closer to God, He said, the fewer people will go with you. And your pastor, and and the Lord spoke to me a while ago that your pastor would be one of those that would climb that mountain. Hungry for the things of God. So I'm thankful for a preacher's friend tonight. And I'm thankful for a church that loves preachers and loves the Word of God. 
So without further ado, how many are ready for the word of the Lord? You ready for what God's wanting to say to us? Amen. Amen. If you've come to hear from God, you're going to hear from God. The Bible declares if you receive a righteous man, you'll receive a righteous man's reward. You receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. In other words, you receive a righteous man, you'll get what a righteous man can give you. You receive a prophet, you'll get what a prophet will give you. But if you've come to hear from God, if you come to hear from some young man, you're going to hear from some young man. But I, I need to hear from God tonight. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 37, and we'll begin to read at verses 3 and 4. And also we'll go to Genesis chapter 45. But Genesis 37 and verses 3 says this. Now, Israel. Everybody say, now, Israel. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Somebody say, many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. But skipping down to verses 31. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. They didn't say it was or it wasn't. They, they left him to his own assumption of whether it was or whether it wasn't. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob, everybody said, and Jacob, rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. For he, and he said, for I will go down unto the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Genesis chapter 45, one more portion of Scripture. Verses 25. The Bible says, And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive and he is governor over all the land. Dad, it's better than we could have planned. God has done it bigger than we could have imagined. Dad, Joseph is yet alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt dad he's not just in charge of your field but he's in charge of all fields and Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not somebody say truth is not enough And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons 
which Joseph had sent to carry him. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And notice the change. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Tonight I want to preach to you from this title or this subject The Color of Assumption The Color of Assumption Would you pray with me one more time? Father Lord we come to you tonight asking, needing you God to speak to us where we are, O oh God, that you would quicken our minds to the mind of the Spirit. Father, allowing your living word to preach your written word. Asking, O oh God, that there would be a spirit of revelation and wisdom. That we would leave here not just with a momentary emotional outburst, O oh God. But I'm praying for a few of fruit that would abide here. I'm praying, O oh God, for an understanding that will carry us, O oh God, into the places you have prepared. O oh God, I'm asking only but by your spirit. Do what only you can do today, Father. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And before you're seated, you know how we do. Before you're seated, I want you to bump your neighbor and tell him there's nothing wrong with the color. Amen. And you may be seated if you so desire. Amen. How many are ready for the word? If you're ready, would you clap your hands one more time? Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, everybody's saying now. Now, Israel. Israel, that man, that patriarch, that pioneer of the faith in the nation of Israel. Israel, the same who was born by another name, that was born. By the name of Jacob, the youngest of twins, Jacob, Jacob meaning liar, deceiver, supplanter. Can you imagine? They named their child liar, deceiver. Did you brush your teeth, you little liar? Let's get real. Did you pick up your Legos, you little deceiver? I'm already getting real. But that was his name. That's how he was introduced to this world. He was liar, deceiver. I can see him running around the living room. And hey, hey, you little liar. And it's no wonder that he grew up and he became that very deceiver, that very identity that he bore from birth. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. That's how he got whatever he desired. He would cheat for it. He would scam. That's how he dealt with this life was through his identity of a supplanter, Jacob by name, liar, deceiver. That's who he was. It's no wonder that he cheated his own brother to get the birthright and cheated his own brother, dressed up like his own brother, deceived his own father just so that he can get the inheritance. It's no wonder that he also tricked his brother and so 
gold. Got him to sell his blessing and birthright for that pot of, pot of stew. That's how he dealt with life. But one day, or one night rather, he got alone all by himself. He sent the wife and the kids away. And on his way to meeting with his brother who he had deceived and lied to, afraid for his life, sent the kids and sent the wives away, or the wife and the other ladies away. And he says, the Bible says that he there wrestled all night long by himself, got alone with God. And there wrestled he a man that we come to believe as a, a an angel or, or the face of God, literally an encounter with God all by himself. He wrestled through the darkest night probably of his life, wondering what would happen the next morning when he would come to meet his brother whom he'd lied and cheated and deceived and now wrestling all by himself through the darkest night probably of his life, wondering what's going to happen next. He wrestles with God. And then the angel tries to break away from Jacob. And he said, you've got to let me go for the day breaketh. I've got to go. You've got to let me go. And Jacob said, no, if I've held on this long, if I've held on and wrestled this long and been through this dark of the night, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. But here's the blessing where it begins. He turns to Jacob and he said, what is your name. And in the amplified version, I love the amplified version, it says in parentheses, in shocking realization, he says, liar, deceiver, supplanter. See, most times God's blessings, while we are wrestling with Him, wondering what's next, uh, holding on through the darkest night, He's wanting to bless us, but blessings always begin with who we are. And being honest with God, he said in shocking realization, I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. That's how I've always dealt with issues. And that's how I've made it this far. But guess what God says next? He says, I know that's what you were. I know that's how you've been. But he said, no longer shall you be called Jacob. No longer shall you be that deceiver. You shall be called Israel. And Israel that night, God said, no longer are you going to be who you've always been. But I've got an identity for you that will ultimately culminate in a nation that will bear your name. He was literally saying, no longer are you Jacob, but you are literally the father of a nation that is waiting in the wings to be seen and to be had. I'm telling you somebody, he said, no longer are you going to be who you've always been and do like you've always done and think like you've always thought but I have a destiny I have something for you to look forward to he said to him literally there is a nation inside of you and now Israel everybody say it now Israel now Israel that same one that wrestled and had his name changed that night now Israel loved Joseph, more than all of his brethren, 
because he was the son of his old age. It was Joseph who he had he picked to be the one that would inherit his prophecies and his promises. And the Bible said that now Israel made a coat. He didn't buy it. He didn't pick it up at Macy's. He didn't pick it up at J.C. Penney's. He didn't pick it up at the nearest retail store. Israel made a coat of many colors. And with that faith that Israel possessed, he began to make a coat. That means he chose the colors. That means he picked the fabrics. I personally believe that on the way through his life, he picked up a little bit of fabric here, a little bit of fabric there, a color here, a color there. He wrestled with an angel, got a little bit of fabric. He dressed up like his brother, got a little bit of cloth and a different color here and a different color there. But now that he has a future and a prophecy that he would be a nation, he began to make a coat by faith. Him choosing the colors. Him choosing the fabrics. And this is Israel's faith articulating in his own way through making the coat. This was him trying to articulate what he believed his future and what his future would look like. He began to sew together and piece together and pick this color and that color. And he said, I want a little bit of green because I, I like green and I want a little bit of that silky smooth. And I want, and he began to piece it all together. And by faith, he began to piece the puzzle together of how he was envisioning what his future would look like. And after through his faith, he articulated through the cloth and the colors what his faith and future would look like. He took that coat and he put it on Joseph. Can you imagine him taking that cloth, that coat of many colors that he had pieced together by his own understanding that he had carefully pieced together and calculated what his future would look like by faith. And then he goes and he puts it on him and says, this is what my future is going to look like. Doesn't it look good? When he made that coat of many, many colors, he was living, literally giving God a context and a perimeter for God to work within. Taking all the colors and all the fabrics, this was him by faith saying, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to happen. And with that coat, that coat became the preconceived context of how he planned for God to do what he said that he would. And that's what his faith was, uh, was of making of Available. Do you understand the coat of many colors? But the brothers didn't like Joseph. And plus, it wasn't part of God's will for there to just be in a replacement to Israel. Because they had been caught up in a replacement mentality 
a replacement theology for so long. From Abraham, they were supposed to be a nation, but it had always been Abraham. And then Isaac replaced Abraham. Then Jacob replaced Isaac. But who is going to replace Jacob? Because now it's just one man being used of God. One man with faith. One man pioneering. But God could not make a nation out of them. God could not fulfill the prophecies that were over them as long as it was just one man being used of God. And one man that was the pioneer. And one man being anointed. So while Jacob chose for himself a replacement, just like Abraham, just like Isaac, God said no. I don't want there to just be a replacement mentality where one stands before the rest and he's the only one being used. No. So he took Joseph away. And when Joseph was taken away and they experienced that loss, you can look down at it or you can understand that God was just making room for all of the brothers to stand up, all of the brothers to be used and move into multiplication. But what am I trying to say? What the brothers did next, they didn't like Joseph, so they took him. They sold him into slavery. Or gave him away to Midianite merchantmen who would carry him to a place where he would be sold as a slave. And they took that coat, that coat that daddy had put together with such precision as he envisioned his future and planned out how it would happen. He took, they took that coat of many colors and they killed that kid of the goats and he took that, that coat and they added that day another color. But that color wasn't supposed to be a part of the plan. That color Israel didn't see coming. That color was not how it was supposed to. And I'm telling you, just like Israel, many of us have come together in faith and we've got knowledge in part. We've got prophecies in part. And with our faith, we have tried to articulate our faith and put together our own coats and said, this is how it's supposed to happen. This is how my life is supposed to work. But sometimes there are colors that are added that weren't supposed to happen. Things happen that we did not count on but the color was added that wasn't how it was supposed to happen sometimes with all of our faith we have a picture in our mind of what it's supposed to look like and how God's supposed to answer our prayer and fulfill our calling and do what only God can do. We say this is what it looks like. But sometimes life introduces us to colors that we did not see coming. We see, we see beautiful things and we've had faith to articulate this is going to happen like this, but then there's loss, but then there's pain. But then they do what they did. You loved, but they left. And the color was added. And they took that coat. And they laid it in dad's lap. And they said, no now. Whether it be thy son's coat or no. And the Bible said, he said, it is my son's coat. He recognized the stitching. 
He recognized the many other colors. He recognized the fabric that his faith had pieced together. But he did not recognize that color. He was familiar with the coat. But he was alienated by that color. That color wasn't supposed. Now, I think Mike Tyson said it best, old heavyweight champion boxer, heavyweight boxer champion of the world. He said, everybody has got a plan until you get punched in the face. Sometimes life just kind of hits you square between the eyes and you don't see it coming. Because when we all come to God, we're like Israel. We realize that God's going to do something with our lives. We're not who we used to be. And we start marching headlong into the will of God and the purpose of God and the plan of God. And we take a little part here. We take a little part there. We have a little knowledge and prophecy and a song we like. And we piece it together and we paint the picture of what we think our future is going to look like. But all too often, we don't know what to do when colors are introduced that we we didn't count on colors that weren't a part, was supposed to be a part of the equation that we made up in our mind of how God was supposed to do it. It's our preconceived ideas that are shattered and disappointment introduced all because of colors we didn't see coming. But when they laid the coat in his lap, he said, it is my son's coat. He recognized it immediately because it was his faith that put it together. It was his hands that did the stitching. It wasn't somebody else that had put the coat together. It was him that with his own hands, he knew the coat. But he looked at that color and said, that's not how it was supposed to be. That's not what I envisioned. That's not how I saw revival happening. That's not what I think needs to take place. And with that color, he begins to do some very specific things that most of us, if not all of us, when things don't happen the way we think they ought to. The first thing that he does when he sees that color that he did not count on. The Bible said, if you can bring that up for me in Genesis chapter 37 and verse, I think it is 33. I'll show you what we do. And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. Watch the first thing that he does when things don't work out like he planned. An evil beast hath devoured him. We know that Joseph was well on his way to fulfilling the will of God beyond his expectations. But the first thing that we do is an evil beast hath devoured him. In other words, when it don't happen like we think it ought to, we begin to create evil that's not there. And we begin to find fault where there is no fault because we begin to look for something to blame because it didn't happen the way we thought it ought to happen so there's got to be a reason behind why it happened the way that it happened so he created an evil beast and if we're not careful we'll do the same thing 
We'll create evil that's not there. We'll find fault in people and places and things where there's not really evil. There's just the sovereignty of God that is not going to be limited by our preconceived ideas and limitations that we've placed on Him. There wasn't an evil beast. I'm sure somewhere there was an evil beast, but not in this situation. Because it's just like in John chapter 11. You've got Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, who the Bible says twice, Jesus loved Lazarus. Loved Mary, loved Martha. But they said to Jesus, the one whom you lovest is sick. And they had it in their mind. Jesus loves us. We'll pray. Lazarus is sick, so we'll pray. Jesus will come and Jesus will heal. They put it together. He loves us, so we'll pray and then he'll heal. But then guess what? Jesus says to his disciples. He says about Lazarus. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now that bothers me because he said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. But guess what? That joker died. So we've got to reconcile. Either God is a liar or God is sovereign. And this is the same decision we've got to make tonight. Either God is a liar or God is still on the throne. Even when it doesn't happen like we thought it ought to. Either God said he's going to give us revival or he didn't. Either God's a liar or he's more than... Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Sometimes to go exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. He sometimes has to say no to what we ask and what we think so he can exceed. See, there wasn't no evil beast. Don't blame the devil for God's sovereignty. I've seen it. I've seen it many times. But I've seen it one time at my wife's grandfather's church. He got to, somebody got up there to singing. And I mean, he had in his mind what that service was going to go like, and we do it too. We get ready for song service and music practice, and I've seen them practice for just a solid hour, and they know how they're going to hold their hand. They know how, I mean, they're going to hit that note, hold their hand, and everybody's going to fall out. And they, I mean, they got it in their mind. I'm going to sing it, and it's going to fall. But then the mic cuts out. I've watched my, I've watched my own, my own father-in-law. He get up there to sing in his big old, I, I don't know, he's got a big old bass voice and he just gets up there. It's praise the Lord, everybody. Yeah, I mean, and he gets up there to start singing some of them old songs. He gets up there, he grabs that mic. He's ready to just start tearing it up and all of a sudden the mic cuts out. And he grabbed the microphone wire and he said, I rebuke the devil out of the. I know it's funny, but it's true. See, the mic cuts out. We want to blame the devil. No, it's from 1960, and you haven't got a new microphone wire. 
See, when things don't happen like we planned that they would have, what we do is oftentimes create evil that's not there. We're looking for something to place the blame on. It could not be our limitations of our expectations that God was trying to break out of in his sovereignty. No, we've got to find somebody, someone, somewhere, some kind of evil that we can blame it on. We want to blame evil for why we're not having revival. No, God's just setting it up so he can give us a bigger, better, better revival than you could ever imagine. I remember... One revival we were driving to, me and my son. It was the first revival that I got to take my son to. And we just got, we had just gotten a new van. And we were driving and I was ready for that service. I mean, I was prayed up. I was fasted up. I mean, I was, I was dripping with oil. I was ready to pray for anything that moves and breathes. I was, I was driving down the road, talking in tongues, ready for this revival service that we we're going to. But on the way to that service, all of a sudden, something started happening to. All of a sudden, the transmission went out. Devil is a lie. And the first thought that came to my mind, as spiritual as I was, as ready for the service as I was, dripping oil, talking in tongues, I went from that to this next moment when the transmission fell out, or or, I don't know what it did, it did something. I started thinking, where'd the devil get in? Was it third gear? Or when I shifted a sec, what... See, we create evil. Because it's easier to create evil. It's easier to create evil instead of trusting God's sovereignty. So when we get a word and things get worse, we start looking for evil. We start looking for, put the blame on somebody trying to find fault somewhere. And we blame family members. We blame church members. We blame each other trying to find evil, creating evil. That's not really there. But God is still on the throne even when that color is introduced. Now I'll move on because there's more to this. But I want you to understand that's not the only thing that he did. The next thing is, I want you to bring that back up. We create evil that's not there. But the second thing that we do is, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. In other words, after we create evil that's not there, we'll start killing things that aren't dead. And putting ends to things that aren't over. This is just our natural progression of how we cope with things. How we deal with things. First, we've got to find the blame. We've got to place it somewhere outside the sovereignty of God. We look for something to blame. But then we move to killing things that aren't dead. And putting things that ends to things that aren't over. Just because it didn't happen the way that I planned, the way that I envisioned, I guess it's not going to happen. I might as well hang up the towel. I might as well throw in the towel and may as well hang it up. Because if it didn't happen the way my faith tried to articulate it, if it didn't happen that way, I guess it's not going to happen. 
So that's what they did with Lazarus. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but he died. And they, they didn't come and heal when they, when they prayed. They thought, well, he loves, we'll pray, he'll come and heal them. But no, Jesus didn't, and colors of loss were introduced into their life. But sometimes, listen, fan kicked on, scared me half to death. I didn't see that coming. But watch, sometimes Jesus says no to a healing because you know the rest. He wants to raise the dead. And he said, why? To the extent that you might believe. But by the time Jesus got there, they had buried Lazarus. And they'd rolled a, two, or a stone on top of the grave. And Jesus' first question is, where'd you lay him? Where'd you bury what I ain't done with? Where'd you put that un, unfinished business that I've come to attend to? Some of you have quit praying the prayers you used to pray because it didn't come to pass the way that you thought that they ought to. And you went to graves and you've buried your unanswered prayers in graves and you've given up and you put ends to things that aren't over. Some of you have laid up ministries because you got hurt somewhere. You've suffered loss, divorce, whatever it may be and you put the stone on top of unanswered prayers in that grave of unfulfilled ministries but he says where have you laid him and they get to that grave and they said by now it stinketh in other words by now it's too far gone no he said don't you put an end to what I ain't done with don't you kill what ain't dead well he didn't have life he's dead no I ain't done with him yet you roll away the stone why didn't Jesus roll away the stone I mean he created it he spoke mountains of He's the very one that said, if you speak to this mountain, the same one that said you could speak to this mountain, is now telling this little bitty chick, just go, hey, move the stone. I don't mean to offend any ladies. I didn't mean that. I meant that in a very positive, affirming way. I mean, the man who could speak to a mountain by faith, the one that spoke the mountains into existence, now telling this little lady, roll away the stone. You want to know why? It's deep. Are you ready? You want to know why he had her roll away the stone? It's deep. You, uh, can you handle it? I heard you get deep around here. I'll tell you why he had her move it. Because she's the one that put it there. And Jesus, being a perfect gentleman, will not roll away stones that you've placed on top of graves. He's a perfect gentleman and he'll never force you. He'll never make you. But he'll stand at that graveside with perfect manners saying, roll ye away the stone. And if you'll roll it away, he'll speak to your Lazarus. He'll speak to your unanswered prayer. He'll speak to your limited expectations. And he'll exceed every one of them. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to Jesus right now?
But listen, Jesus being, Jesus being a perfect gentleman, he would not forcefully roll away a stone that she had placed on top of that grave. You want to know how much of a Jesus, or a gentleman Jesus is? I'll tell you. That the Bible says in the book of Revelations, he stood outside the church knocking and said, if any man open, I'll come in and I'll sup with him. That blows my mind. That's the church he bought and paid for. Now, he stands on the outside saying, if you let me in. If I was God, I'd say, let me in. I pay the bills around here. I would have kicked that door in. Because I bought this church. I paid for this church with my own blood. Let me in. But he stood on the outside saying, if you let me in. I get mad at my wife. We grew up, we had the door open all the time around my house. Didn't matter what time of night. The only time our house ever got broken into was the time we locked it. Can't get broken into if it's locked or if it's not locked. So you could come in all the time. My wife, she came. They would, my, my wife's family was crazy. They, they'd lock the door. They wouldn't let nobody in. They wouldn't answer the phone if they didn't want to. They wouldn't open the door. People were knocking. They, they said, this is my house. So I come home sometime. I never take one of my, I never take a house key or, or now I know it's going to be on video. My wife does lock the door. <laughs> but I don't have a key for the house and I don't lock the door. And sometimes I come home. And that door's locked. That's another color. I start, I start pounding on the door. And I hear my kids trying to unlock the door. Daddy, mommy did it again. Mommy did it again. And I get mad because sometimes I'm not the gentleman that Jesus is. And I, I pay the bills around here. You better open this door to me. But Jesus being the perfect gentleman would not open that door or force it open. But he would wait for his own people to say, you make the decision. You make the choice. I'm not going to remove any stone that you've placed on top of unanswered prayers. But if you're willing. Joseph wasn't dead. But Israel killed him. But the third thing, my God, the third thing, bring it back up. We're going to keep going. You might as well just leave it up. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Watch now. An evil beast had devoured him. And then Joseph, but now it says, and Jacob. Stop there. And Jacob. Remember, it was initially now, Israel. Now, Israel. Now, looking forward. Israel, now, in faith. Israel, now, by faith. Israel began to piece together that coat by faith. Now, Israel. Looking forward in faith. Put that coat together. But when that color was introduced, now, when it doesn't happen the way that he planned for. And Jacob. First thing we do, we create evil that's not there. But then we kill things that aren't dead and put ends to things that aren't over. But the third thing we do, when that color is introduced, initially it was now Israel looking forward. But now 
and Jacob. I guess I'll just be who I've always been. I guess I'll do like I've always did and think like I've always thought. I guess I'll just settle for who I've always been instead of pressing in to who I've been called and created to be. And he forgot in a moment, he forgot that night where he wrestled. In that moment, he said, I just, I guess I'll be who I've always been. And Jacob, I'm, I'm just that liar, that deceiver. I guess I'm not a nation waiting to happen. And I'm telling you, Antioch, I understand that you've got prophecies. I understand that you've got promises of revivals and waves of moves of God that are on the way. I understand that. But when things happen, transitions and changes and leadership moving around and do this, that, you may not have seen some of it coming. But just because it didn't happen the way that you may have envisioned it, the way that you pieced it together through the articulating of your faith, Now, Antioch, now, United States of America, now. But when it doesn't happen the way that you thought it would, I guess we'll just be the same old church we've always been. I guess we'll do things like we've always done them, think like we've always thought, and we'll just settle for lesser than what God has promised and prophesied, and we'll just be. See, that's what we do when we're in disappointment. Disappointment always causes us to settle back down into default settings of life. Now watch what it says about Jacob. When you begin to settle for less than you are called to be. He said, and Jacob ran his clothes. In other words, when you begin to settle for less than God has called you to be, you become very destructive by nature. And instead of now Israel piecing together by faith what he's believing God for, now and Jacob began to be destructive, tearing things apart, tearing down people, tearing down the church, tearing down leadership, tearing down ministry, tearing down people in your family, tearing down anything and everything that you can get your hands on, all because you have thought that you're going to always be who you've always been doing like you've always done. I got everything I wanted because I lied, I deceived, and I cheated. I guess no longer am I going to be Israel. I guess I'll just go back. And this is where we are. But you've got to listen. That angel said to you, No longer shall you be called Jacob. It was final. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel, because you have power with God and with man. No longer are you the people who you used to be. No longer can you go back to who you once were. No longer after you wrestled, after you've held on this long, and that angel told you, no longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel. Antioch, there is no going back. Without destruction. There is no settling down without destruction. But Israel. But the last thing. He put sackcloth upon his loins, mourned for his son many days. But this is where I want to really focus. Because after 
that color was introduced. It wasn't supposed to happen like this. He didn't see that loss coming. He didn't see that pain in plain sight and made it a part of the coat. He didn't see that color. But when that color came, the last and final thing that he did, he accepted the loss and made it final. But then, the next verse, and all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. The brothers and the sisters came together. And they rose up to comfort him. But the Bible says he refused to be comforted. That's when I know somebody's been touched by that color. Is when they come to a place like this and the brothers and the sisters get together, rise up to comfort, but then they refuse to be comforted. And if you refuse to be comforted, you know what that means? You might very well be refusing the very healing that God has for us. I know this is kind of heavy. I'm usually a motivational speaker almost. But if you refuse to be comforted, you refuse to let people close to you because of your loss, your pain in that color, you've already lost. And for fear of losing somebody else, you refuse to let them close. You refuse to let them in to your world. And if you refuse to let people in your world, yes, you won't have to suffer loss again, but you cannot be loved either. So many times we come for healing and we reach up for healing. And we come to this altar and we reach for healing and we leave sick. Sick in body, sick in mind, sick in our emotions. Why? Because just like in creation, God put in this body. Watch me now. God put in this body healing already. Medicine don't heal you. Medicine just assists your body to do what it was already designed and created to do. So medicine don't heal you, but God created and placed healing in this body, in the natural body already. You believe that? If you get cut, what does your body do? If you get wounded, your body automatically rushes to that place of that wound and begins to stitch itself. It begins to let the blood coagulate at the very entrance of that wound and begins to bring healing to itself. But just like God did in this body, placed healing in itself. So did God in this body. So while you're reaching all by yourself, all by your lonesome, you come and you lift your hands for a healing. While you're reaching up, Jesus is saying, why don't you reach out? Because your healing might not be up here, but your healing might be on the pew next to you. But if you refuse to be comforted, 
if you refuse to let somebody come into your world. It's like that guy. You might have heard this story. That guy who was in the middle of a flood and he got up on the roof and he said Jesus was going to save him. You heard that story? Oh yeah, all right. I'm going to tell it again. He got up on that roof with all of his faith that he could muster. And they pulled up in a boat and said, get in, we're here to save you. He said, no, Jesus is going to save me. And then another boat pulls up after a little while. The flood's rising and they pull up and say, get in, we're here from the Coast Guard. We're here to save you. And he said, no, Jesus is going to save me. But then boat leaves and a little while later the flood rises to the roof and is about to take the house and then comes a coast card helicopter they let down that ladder and they said grab on we're here to save you and he said no for the last time Jesus is going to save me and that joker died in the flood and he gets to heaven And he says, Jesus, why didn't you save me? And he said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What else do you want? You prayed for healing and God gave you the church. What else do you want? You prayed for somebody to love you. Not only did he die on Calvary, but he gave you a family. He gave you the body of Christ. And if there's healing in this body, there's healing in this body. But you've got to let somebody love you. You've got to trust somebody. You've got to believe in God enough to trust what He gave you. You can't live on your own. He gave you the body. But here's where I quit. I'm going to quit now. Genesis 45. After the brothers had been to Egypt and after they had seen the glory of Joseph, They came back to dad after they seen Joseph is now over all the fields. Dad, not just your field. It's bigger. It's better than you could have planned. It's beyond the context of your preconceived idea that was found in the context of the coat. He said, dad, it's better. We've seen Joseph and he's governor over all the land. Watch. And when they began to speak truth to him, Joseph is yet alive and he's governor over all the land. The Bible said that Jacob believed them not. There are times when truth is not enough. It doesn't matter what I come and preach. It doesn't matter how many prophets you have come through here and give you words of God. If you've been living with that color, if you've been living with that coat long enough, because the coat sometimes is more real than the truth that is being preached to you. 
So truth sometimes doesn't matter. A prophetic word that may be spot on, it doesn't matter if we've got the coat. But then all of a sudden, Jacob began to hear some wagon wheels. He began to hear the jingle of wagons that were on the way that were sent by Joseph. And when he looked off in the distance and he seen those wagons, all of a sudden the Bible says that the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Guys, musicians, come. I'm going to be done. Just give them hope that... When he saw the wagons, the Bible said that the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel, Israel said, Joseph, he said, it is enough. What did he say when he said it's enough? I think he took that coat and he said, it's enough. And he threw it to the side and said, okay, God's not going to do it the way that I thought he was. Okay, God's not going to fit within my limited expectation of Him. So He threw that coat to the side and began to preach truth back to those that had preached truth to Him. He said, Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see Him before I die. But what was it about the wagons? I believe That it was giving Israel a different context for that color. Somebody say there's nothing wrong with the color. It was the coat that was the issue. So when he looked over the hills and he seen the wagons that were on the way that would literally carry him to Joseph. What I felt in prayer this afternoon for this church, I felt just over the horizon, there is the wagons that are on the way. There's a wave, there's wagons on the way that are going to carry you to where you need to be to see what you need to see. But what you have to do is... You have to extract the color from the coat and give it a different context. What do you mean? That same color that tainted that coat, take that same color, that same goat's blood, and you march it up a couple hundred years, and you give it a different context, like the Ark of the Covenant. And you take that same color that you didn't understand those things you didn't see coming those things you didn't plan on but they happened take those same color that same color and they took that color of blood and they put it on that mercy seat and that color moved from being a color of assumption to a color of atonement atonement means I'm going to reach back all the way through your past and I'm going to make everything right. But don't stop there. 
Take that same color, those same situations, that same pain, that same loss that you didn't plan on, that wasn't supposed to be a part of your life. You take that same color and you march it forward a couple hundred more years and you take that color and give it the context of Calvary. There's nothing wrong with the color. So what I've come to preach... I've said all of that to say this. If you take whatever happened, what they did to you, what they said, how they made you feel, the loss, the pain, whatever your color was, if you can take it and march up Calvary's hill one more time and find yourself again at the foot of the cross looking at that same color, You'll understand that it's not a color of assumption. And it's beyond atonement. But that color is a color of access. Access to greater. Access to more. All because of what I went through. I won't right now if you would. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to finish right now. What I fear, Antioch, if we've got so deep and we've heard so much that we forgot about the cross. We forgot how to bring things to Calvary. And to bring that color back, the disciples didn't understand it when they seen that color. When they seen that blood dripping off of that old wooden cross, they could look at it, but they didn't understand it. It wasn't supposed to happen like this. You were supposed to come, Jesus, and roll the Romans away. You were supposed to come like David with a sword. You weren't supposed to die like this, Jesus. You weren't supposed to bleed. And But that blood, oh, that blood on Calvary. That's Jesus saying to you, I have more for you. Don't settle for less. And when you put that color in the right context, all of a sudden there's comfort. There's healing. When you put that color in the right context, all of a sudden things that were dead become alive. All of a sudden with the color on the cross. You're no longer Jacob. At the cross, you're no longer who you were. At the cross, somebody, would you come? Somebody, would you step out of your seat and begin to make your way to the cross? Would you bring your pain? Would you bring that loss? Come on, bring the transition of this church to the foot of the cross. Oh, that's it. Begin to make your way. Come and lay it down at the foot of the cross. 
bring that color with you. Somebody's got to say it's enough. Antioch, we've got to say it's enough. I will see it. We will have it. Come on, bring your families. Grab somebody by the hand and say, no, it's enough. We're going to see what God said. It. Come on, if you need healing in your body, begin to bring your pain, bring your sickness to the cross. somebody love you right now come on would you reach out to somebody right next to you would you reach out to them and let there be healing begin to flow one amongst another come on they didn't understand Calvary didn't understand him dying then but we understand it now reach over to your neighbor begin to pray with them God bring healing to them God I pray let them know that they can have more let them know that they don't have to be who they've always been at Antioch. Reach out to somebody. Let them know that they're not alone. Father, I release comfort into this house. I release peace into this house. Come on, every eye closed, every hand lifted high. Come on, you've got to roll away the stone right now. Jesus isn't going to force his way. Jesus isn't going to make you let him heal you. But you've got to say, Jesus, I'm going to roll away every stone. I'm going to let you in, God. I'm going to let healing into my life. That's it. That's it. Something's happening. It's moving right now. Gather around this front and pray right now. 
Jesus, let it happen right now. Come on, comfort one another. Pray one for another. Come on, there is healing right now in this house. And it's going to come through the body. Let the body begin to minister to the body right now. I release healing in the name of Jesus. Heal our minds, oh God. Heal our emotions, oh God. Let us not limit you with our preconceived ideas. That's it, young man. That's it, young man. You're not who you were. 